and welcome to The Movie Brew, a podcast about British film and filmmakers. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Lester Garland. How are you doing, sir? Hello. Yeah, I'm you fine. Right How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm Very excited good. to talk about this film today. Yes. It is our first um, Chris Nolan film. Yeah. Surprised so, it took this long, actually. Yeah. For a film about British film filmmakers, he's kind of a... A big name to mm-hmm. go into it, but I'm really excited that we're doing we're doing this film. We're going to talk about Dunkirk. Got a lot of things to talk about. A lot of uh, different point of views. I'm in, I'm excited to hear what you thought about this because mm. going into it, this is your first time viewing this. You've not seen this before. Yeah, first time viewing it. I'm st- I still am unsure of what I'm going to rate it at the end of this. So Amazing. We will find out as we go through. Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna work it out as we're going along, and it's gonna be a good old. Fun time for a (laughs) sensory experience of a movie. (laughs) The enemy tanks have stopped. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? There are 400,000 men on this beach. Son, we have a job to do. If we go, they will die. see it from here. What? Home. So they probably heard a little clip of Dunkirk at this point. (laughs) Loads of explosions. So many things. Or maybe I found one of the few dialogue scenes that's in this film. Yeah. And I just played that clip on a loop. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff I want to say about the sound, but we'll, we'll first, we'll first go to the synopsis and stuff and see Mm -hmm. what, see what, see what you're thinking. So allied soldiers from Belgium, the British empire and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a a fierce battle in world war two. Yeah. So it takes place in, uh, it's 1940, right? I'm pretty sure it is. Um, uh, so it's about the English and, and 
also about the French troops that are basically stranded in Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to evacuate because there's like German troops moving in and there's problems getting the boats there and there's boats getting blown up. And it's basically just about them trying to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's some twists and turns. There's kind of, there's three different stories going on that have like different timelines, which you pointed out to me, which I'm glad you pointed out. Yeah, I, I mean, there was a lot of talk about this when this first came out. Um, and it's... Look, the thing is, is that I really want to, I really want to kind of point this out to you. That this is not the best. This is not what we did was not the best way of experiencing this film. Yeah. Nolan is one of these few directors that can come out and just kind of do something. He's got so much cachet with a studio that he can just completely do something wholly original and then change the way that uh, the film industry goes and like uh sees movies mm. he was the first people to jump on this whole imax camera thing yep. which if you don't know kind of the whole story behind that imax cameras were traditionally used for documentary footage mm. and they're some of the most incredibly expensive film cameras to even use it's not even a really a was a really a viable thing because there's only four of them in the world to uh film films on yeah it can only do two minutes of film at a time and the whole reason that people use it for these kind of high case doc- documentary footage and things like that was because the incredible resolution on it is so strong mm. that it was it's just produces an image unlike any other. But the aspect ratio and a bunch of other things are just cinemas weren't just set out for it. Chris Nolan goes out campaigns for using this highest when the abundance of digital movies are out there. He's like, I'm going to make a film with this high, like IMAX cameras thing and goes and makes a dark night. And he's like, and you know what? Like cinemas, you're just going to up- update how you're showing these movies. <laughs> going to have to deal with you're it. You're just going to have to deal with it. Cause like, <laughs> otherwise no one's going to be able to see this movie the way it's intended to. And like, yeah, fair play to him. Like the yeah. studio and the distributors, they all just go, yeah, fair enough. Like that's the way we're doing it. And since then like Nolan has always been a guy just campaigning like just the format and the visual way that you watch one of his movies is just a very important it's an event it's a part of the part of the reason that you check out one of his films which is cool because there's no one really doing anything like that today no um but before we jump into the reviews mm-hmm. I've got a little bit of productiony stuff I want to talk to you about yeah let's get into it I got um I got a couple of I got a couple of things that I just want to say. The main thing is just kind of how this movie came about. This is a movie that stuck with Nolan for a long time. Yeah, uh, he came up with it. He was like on he was like on crossing the channel or something with his uh, wife and like the nineties and just on a boat thinking he was like, "There's a needs to be a movie about Dunkirk." And he remotely he like rem, like stuck in his head reminiscing around this uh, kind of ruminating around this idea, but purposely didn't make it. I mean, you think after making like all the films like Dark Knight and Inception and stuff, you'd be like uh, st- straight onto it. It would make sense, but purposely put off making this film because he didn't feel like he was ready to take on a film of this kind of scope mm. which is interesting to say about a director like nolan but he like purposely kind of put off it's been stuck with him for ages and he purposely put off for it because he felt like he wasn't ready was his first film that's like based on true events yes like everything else has been you know fiction yeah like, which is interesting because sometimes you know based on true events films aren't usually things that kind of newer directors shy away from because the material's already there for you to kind of 
build upon yeah. and go for. I mean, we talked about this with like uh, Ken Russell and the Devils and stuff. Yeah, that was one of his earlier films, mm-hmm. and it was like a really good opportunity because the 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 narrative's already there, and you can kind of pick up the points. But what this film does is kind of wholly original in the sense that it strips back Nolan to like pure Christopher Nolan, which is <laughs> it just completely takes out all of the kind of uh, things that can be seen like convoluted in plot and story elements yeah. and focuses purely on the cinematic experience. And, you know, some of the bits where he's lacked and uh, people might say he's lacked in other films are not present here because it's made in a completely different way, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But mm. I just thought it's an interesting point to put off the outright that it's made in an interesting way. And it's like on both writing and technically it's all coming to a, a point. Yeah. With something. But I thought that's a good preface to say before we jump into these reviews, because I'm sure some of these guys are going to have like a different opinion yeah. from this side. And I just thought putting out there that it's like, it's, it's there. For, I felt like it's there for a kind of a reason is a good preface going into, going into this. Yeah. I don't think anyone can argue that the film looks bad. It's like a stunning looking film. Yeah. Um, the cinematography is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like when I was watching it, it lacked in other areas for me, but um, like as a visual experience, it's like, you know, very, it'd be very hard to beat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was good. So uh, if you're ready, should we do the reviews? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, everyone knows what part this is by now. Tarek has to guess the reviews. They're from IMDb. They're all out of 10 stars, no half stars. Uh, I'll read out and then Tarek will have a little discussion about it. Yeah. First, and then Tarek can guess. Um, so, what should I, well, uh, okay, I'll do this one first. So this one is from uh, Support and then a bunch of numbers. So I'm pretty sure it's a droid of some sort who wrote this. Is it IMDB Support? They <laughs> yeah, they, maybe, they yeah, yeah. a query on the wrong, on yeah. the wrong page. Thank you for contacting IMDB Support. <laughs> what we thought about Dunkirk was. <laughs> um, so the title is, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And they say, uh, too loud, too disjointed, too much Kenneth Branagh staring meaningfully into the distance. Disagree. I know. Hard disagree. I knew you would. <laughs> um, there seem to be many scenes that would not be uh, reasonable, starting with two soldiers encountering each other on an isolated location. They would not silently go about their business without confirming each other's identity. I thought I saw a Spitfire that had run out of fuel, first flight left, uh, right to left and then left to right to land on a beach in front of the Germans, descending in daylight and landing in darkness. There was so much confusion confusion as to what was being shown and such loud music, in quotes, uh, that it was difficult to follow the story. The critics seemed to love this movie. I don't know why. Man, there's so much to talk about in that review. Yeah. Uh, so much to discuss. Uh, I I guess I want to save the Kenneth Branagh stuff for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. We'll, we'll just both agree at this moment that Kenneth Branagh's acting is fucking incredible. And he's so, just so great. We just both disagree with that. Part. Yeah, hard disagree. Um, um yeah. In, there's, in, you go on. You go. No, you go. I, was, I was just going to say interesting point that they talk about uh, some of the kind of editing inconsistencies. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really call that an inconsistency. Um, there. 
with uh i mean the whole thing is meant to be kind of a bit disjointed where it's kind of playing around with different narratives and different timelines so naturally kind of spatial and space and time are so interlinked in your awareness of putting you into the scene in that moment from all these characters different perspectives that um naturally you're going to have a bit of confusion and that's reflected in some of the editing yeah that's in here as well it's not something i noticed when he said about the plane you know starting to land in daylight and landing dark but also it's we're in the uk and things get dark real quick and also that (laughs) whole sequence took place during kind of from a cinematography point perspective that whole sequence to uh kind of took around from the dusk period Mm. where he's kind of going down and landing just as the the sun setting. The reason that cinematographers do that is because it's during the golden hour where you get the most even light and it's just the most cinematically beautiful point. And it's also narratively like the, the narrative is ending. It's the, it's setting. It's the end of the war. Like it, there's so many reasons for that to be during a sunset Mm -hmm. and ending in darkness uh, like it does. And, you know, Tom Hardy's, whole storyline is probably the most closest to like a, a minute by minute kind of real time experience yeah it's saying that it's not completely real time there are time jumps uh and you know in editing that that is kind of allowed but especially in here you know it's not it's not unusual to have a little bit of kind of cuts between day and night from, yeah from that but it is kind of meant to take place in the same period yeah i mean it's I don't know. It's I was kind of being fairly nitpicky through this film, but it's not something that bothered me that mm-hmm. part. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting point. And the other bit I wanted to come up, I mean, he does like another like nitpicky bit of logic, which I have plenty of that I'll get into later. Yeah. So we'll brush over that. Yeah. Um, but also the uh, saying that the music was so loud, it's difficult to follow the story. I had that same problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I think like, out, out of curiosity, when's the review dated? Uh, 2017. All right, so it's when the film came out. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just curious because I, do, I do think that the sound is such a big part of the storytelling of this film. It is meant to be jolting and it is yeah. meant to be unrealistically loud because it's, it's, it's meant to kind of give you this, the kind of, uh, joltiness and the fear of just this other, like worldly presence that you just don't un- understand what's going on which i'll talk to you a little bit about a little bit later but um regardless it is it is loud but i just think that this film is for more than more than any others it's a film that benefits seeing it in the cinema yeah and it's a sure. it's a story that can only be told as a film you can't mm-hmm. experience it you translating this into like a book or anything else it's like another a bit of a tangent another point it just wouldn't work because no. the whole structure of it and the whole point of the story works because of the structure of the narrative. Um, and it can only be told in that way. And part of that is to do with the way the sound influences the storytelling, which yeah. we'll talk about a little bit later. And um, like, well, just while we're still on that, because yeah. um, obviously I feel like I, we were talking about this um, just before we started recording. I feel like um, I would have liked to see this in the cinema, but at the same time, there were so many bits where I asked you to like pause the film, go back and whack the subtitles on just because I was like, what the hell did they just say? I couldn't hear anything. Look, kind of putting my film buff mind aside yeah, and just going as my love in movies and going to movies head. Um, Chris Nolan has a real problem with Tom Hardy and ADR. Like, <laughs> just, 
just like, <laughs> yeah. like really he does. is like Chris. Stop Nolan's covering just, his mouth. Just like <laughs> it's like who has the most beautiful mouth in Hollywood? But well, like, oh my god, Tom, that was such a weird, creepy Tom, like, thing. No, it's, it's like who has the most beautiful? <laughs> like, think about it. Like who has who has a beautiful like mouth in Hollywood? Well, Tom Hardy's got a great like great great looking mouth. What am I going to do? I'm Chris Nolan. I'm going to cover that thing up. <laughs> Get out yeah. of here. What am I gonna do? I've already covered his mouth up for a film. What am I going to do? I'm going to give him just a quarter of the the a quarter yeah. of his face to act with just but the eyebrows Tom Hardy is such a physical actor that he can do that yeah. he can act with just like a sort of uh, just a quarter of his face going on and you get all of these emotions mm-hmm. um, bring it up a little bit which I guess we can bring it up in scenes. I just really want to talk about it right now. I'm just going to talk. I'm going to riff on Tom Hardy for a bit. Moving past my my mouth appreciation. (laughs) Tarek, you have a beautiful mouth. (laughs) It's just not. But look, all right. How did that make you feel? (laughs) Bit weird. But then again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an actor on screen all the time. Well, there you go. For for that. But so there's, there's that too. Tom Hardy gets, called beautiful mouth all the time all the time he's just used to it's it. one of his many aliases they call me the beautiful mouth <laughs> but what i was gonna say is that the just r- riffing on that for you mate you made you've made me lost some trail of thought with I'm that so sorry <laughs> um no but he just uh, genuinely just got acts just the shit out of these scenes oh yeah he's, where he's yeah. just kind of in the cockpit and just going for for ages and it's just it's incredible to see what he can do with mm-hmm. just so little yeah and it is it is kind of like a there is there is a running thing with just like Nolan just covering up Tom Hardy's face <laughs> but then the last shot is also him kind of taking off the mask and you see him like just full on that's just Tom Hardy's face I feel like that's just a bit of a treat for the audience <laughs> The treat just, for the mouth lovers yeah, out there. Yeah. <laughs> treat for those. Um, <laughs> man, I had something I was really going to say and I was really enjoying it, but then that mouth thing just kind of threw me off a just loop. Just how loud it is, is what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Just uh, hands him a score and stuff. Okay. Uh, so what do you think this person gave the movie out of 10? Oh, man. This is going to be one of those really weird ones where he's either giving it more stars than he's his totally means mm. or he's just like just giving it just one star. I'm just going to go with one star because a title nope can only mean one thing. He indeed gave it one star. Yes. You're one for one so far. Okay. You ready for the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. So this one is by Adaringdo. And they say, I don't understand all the hype. Several scenes were ridiculous. And this is, um, I brought this one up because I'll only read out a part of it, but, I, I had like a problem with some of like the logic used by the characters in this film. Right. That kind of just made me go like, wait, what? what? Why would you do that? That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Um, and this is the only thing that I could find of someone commenting on this same thing that I had the main problem with in the film. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll just read it. This movie is a snapshot glance at possible events during the evacuation of the Allied troops in Dunkirk after the military disaster following the German invasion of France in 1940. Um, I was pretty much bored throughout the first half of the movie and at various times thereafter. Although the historical significance of the events are captured to a limited degree, several of the fictional elements shown were actions of abject stupidity and left me stunned. And this is the bit I want to talk about. He's got like five of these, but I'm only reading one. So number two, the events in the beach trawler were so absurd. I doubt any person could be so ignorant. Soldiers trying to plug 30 to 50 bullet holes in the hull 
with their fingers and then thinking that killing and throwing a French soldier would make up for tons of continuous flooding. Mm. That's, I just, I couldn't get on board with that when it was happening in the film. Yeah. So the scene we're talking about is um, a bunch of these soldiers notice a beach ship, like, was it like a mile down the beach or something? Mm -hmm. So they were like, sneakily run over there and they go like right if we hide in here and then when the tide comes in the ship will be able to move and we'll be on the ship and then we can just fucking go home pretty pretty good plan mm -hmm. right um so they're hunkering down in there and then some holes start getting shot in it from uh they don't know who from yet but they it, they're all kind of in the same area so they're like oh it's just some people like mucking around doing target practice yeah so we should just be quiet and then loads of holes start going in and then the water starts coming in through the bullet bullet holes and then they go like, oh, one of us has to get off because otherwise it won't float. There's a weight distribution on the ship. Yeah. And it's like, what are you talking about? You talking like about? the the water's coming in. How mm. is getting rid of And it's like a big, it's a big ship. It's not like a little sailboat. It's like a big metal ship. It's heavy. Mm -hmm. And so all this water's flooding and they're going, one of us needs to leave and then it will definitely float. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, And then they'll go, no, we just need to like plug up the holes. So then they stand in front, they plug up the holes with their hands. So they're just standing where the bullets are coming through yeah. on the ship wall. And I just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. It's the main problem I have with the film. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of things to do with that scene. Yeah, please um, do. And I feel like now's a good segue to kind of just bring, bring just this sort of it. stuff, get, uh, get into it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to attack this from two different problems. Mm-hmm and talk about the uh, narrative point of view and the logic problems. Yeah. Um, so let's start, seeing as you brought it up, let's start with the, the logic problems. The, the, my counter, my counter argument to your, to, to your points of the logic problems is that this whole um, story is showing the chaotic disaster of the, uh, of the Dunkirk mm -hmm. mess and the is escaping of the evacuation these characters are having the uh, German soldiers kind of closing in on them and they're essentially just waiting to die. And it's yeah. all a kind of chaotic mess. No one, they don't need, no one sent them to go get this boat. It's no. not part of a mission. They're just trying to they escape. They chose to do that. It's, it's, I mean, this film isn't even really, you can't really call it a war movie. It's more of a survival uh, film for just trying because these characters are just trying to do their best to stay alive yeah um in that point you're following these young kids who mm -hmm. are in uh who find this boat and are just trying to find a way to escape yeah now in the mind of a 16 to 17 year old who's just trying to just trying to get out by any means necessary a logical conclusion would be if water is coming in to try and plug up those holes but I understand your problems with that. I'm not saying that, <laughs> yeah. that that's like the right way to do it. The weight distribution thing, I don't really have an answer for. Yeah, it doesn't make And I sense. don't understand how the sailor thought that that was a good idea. Nope. Um, but that's the kind of plugging up the holes thing. That's the logic aspect is that I can see these characters of this naivety just trying to survive after they've been in this place for a week. I can understand how they would come to the conclusion of let's just and try and plug out these holes and see what we can do to stay alive. Um, this narrative thing is that there's symmetry between a couple of things. The French, uh, the French character uh, who, well, he's kind of seen as a British soldier. We see him right at the start. And he is um, constantly 
doing actions he's just trying to stay alive but mm -hmm. constantly puts himself into positions where he's saving others yeah. to trying uh to put himself out of the harm's um, put himself in harm's way to save others mm -hmm. he's the first person to throw the uh rope down when they're getting onto the boat and going onto the boat place he's the a person that opens the door when the boat uh, is starting to sink yeah. to let the others out when they're going out um, so even though it's putting himself at risk because he's not a British soldier, he's the first person to kind of, uh, kind of put himself into those situations to help his fellow other peoples. Contrary to that, in kind of a symmetrical way, the character that's played by, uh, Harry Styles oh, is, yeah. uh, the kind of scene is like the antithesis of that. He's the first person to kind of he's out for himself yeah he's yeah. out for himself first person to put blame on others yeah and it's interesting to me that both of these kind of emphasis characters and the conflict that's shown between them in the end they have a last moment of uh heroism and just kind of a last moment of sacrifice when they both stay behind last yeah to be the ones to plug up these holes even if it's a log logistically a stupid idea yeah it's an interesting thought that in their process of thinking that uh, they're both doing this so the other person, the other people can stay out and get out alive. And in that moment, even though they've just had this massive conflict between those two people, um, they're still, they're still in that aspect of kind of sacrificing each other uh, as e themselves for, for the good of others, just so others can stay, uh, stay alive. Yeah. Um, and no one's trying to fuck each other over as we kind of initially thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, so that's kind of my, my kind of takes with those things is just, there's a narrative, there's a good, there's a good bit of writing symmetry, narrative symmetry there. And uh, I can understand how kids in a war that have been stranded for a week and just want to get out would come to that conclusion. Is okay. It's, I like the metaphor between those two characters. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Here's the problem I have with your argument. Okay. There are a bunch of like 16, 17 year olds. They are also the people that saw that ship and went, when the tide comes in, we'll be able to do that. They made a tactical plan mm -hmm. to get to that ship, yeah. wait for the tide to come in, and then it'll take them yeah. out. That's a clever, smart plan. Yeah. And then when they're in the boat, they're just the biggest dummies ever. No, I understand. I understand <laughs> it's what you're like, saying. what the hell? It's just a bit. It's, it feels like a lot of, a lot of the points in this film are kind of there um, to create suspense and drama without thinking about whether the characters would actually do those things. And there's a lot of times like that. That's the big one that I wanted to bring up. There's there's other ones along the way, but that's the main one. And it's just kind of like, okay, this has just been written in to create suspense in this film. Like, it doesn't make any sense other than that. Well, okay, I'm going to put out another kind of macro story thing Yeah, where I would say that scene is a microcosm for the film itself and what it's saying about Dunkirk, mm -hmm. uh, where you could see these kids waiting inside this boat that has got holders in it and waiting for them to drown as a microcosm for the kind of soldiers going on the beach and just waiting to, they're just essentially waiting to get saved or die and they could do others. So there's like, they just, you know, dependent on whether the tide comes in or where the water kind of rushes them out and, the calm before that, mm -hmm. um, they're also kind of dependent on that sort of thing. I just, I saw similarities between those two things and I've yeah. pointing them out. What I'm saying is that it's not, I don't, I don't see it as a, I don't see it as a dumb mistake or a dumb decision or any lack 
of foresight on the directors and the writers part because I think that scene is saying more than just kids are in a boat and they're trying to plug up holes. Like I think it's I think it's also kind of saying other stuff between what it's saying about the characters and what it's saying for uh like uh, there's a bit more meaning behind it as well I'm yeah no there to totally is there's a good visual metaphor but here's the thing i with don't that. i don't disagree that the logic is completely fucked you can still have that visual metaphor without having people shoot holes in the boat mm-hmm. the boat is uh is beached they could get in the boat when the tide starts coming in they realize oh shit this is beached because there's a hole that's like a rock's made a gash in on the underside and then you can still have those two characters trying to keep that down while everyone else gets out you can have that exact same scene without the dumb bullet hole thing going on it just it's just like i don't understand why it's there Mm. it doesn't make any sense i will keep thinking about this (laughs) because i i am i am not convinced uh i'm convinced that there's a reason for it and i can't find it yeah no I'm, i'm convinced um but hey this is a good point for you to step in listener maybe you know Maybe yeah. you know more about boat weight distribution than we do as podcasters, and you should yeah. let us know. Maybe it, it weighs exactly one French soldier. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's how they measure boats. Maybe during the time of World <laughs> War One, uh, there were specific sealers that people carried on their hands that were able to plug <laughs> holes, and that yeah. we don't know about. Yeah. Um, they all got lost in the war. The technology was lost. It was great stuff. Do you imagine where we'd be if we still had that technology? Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. But if you do know, dear listener, <laughs> please uh, let us know. I think you got one more review for. I us. do. You got a guess. You got a guess how what this one gave it though. All right. Okay. So I think what we're gonna do, we're gonna do something special for this one. Is I, I like I just I really like the tone of this. I'm just gonna record this in a different. Like I'm just gonna put some effects on your voice. And we're going to... For what, you guessing what this person gave No, the... when you read out the actual review. <laughs> yeah, no, you haven't guessed the last one yet. Oh, you talk, are you talking about the last one? <laughs> yeah, we're still on the last one. Oh, I thought we moved on. Um, <laughs> you just got excited. I just got excited about the effects. Uh, <laughs> I would say this guy, this guy's like gone to a lengthy, lengthy reason, pointed out several scenes and you've only just read an excerpt he, of he's, it. He pointed out like, you know, like all the things when, when we were watching, I went like, oh, why did they do that? He, yeah. he like pointed out all of those, the same ones I did. Um, What's the title of the review? Because he didn't say that um, first. Oh, sorry. He said it was, I don't understand all the hype. Several scenes were ridiculous. Oh, uh, I will say he gave it two stars. Um, So all of his nitpicking and everything, yeah. he still gave it five out of ten. Fair play. Yeah. Um. Because, and he doesn't really mention, he's still, he just kind of like slates the logic in it. Yeah. But I think like he noticed the same as me that visually this film is absolutely excellent. Yeah. It's so, so good to look at. Um, and it does, it does kind of immerse you in, in scenes and stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. He gave it like a nice, a nice half marks, even though he got really annoyed with it, which I think is very fair. Uh, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the first person to say that I don't think a film needs to make complete logical sense no, for no. it to be a good film and a good story. And where this pro- film has its problems is definitely through the logic aspects yeah. in it, of it. And like, there's, there's been a couple of instances of that in Nolan films in the past. Like people are going to plot holes on like the Dark Knight and stuff. And, uh, but I will not get into that. I, I just, yeah, I yeah. agree to disagree that i think like i'm fine with films not making logic but i uh not yeah not doing like worldly logic but the logic in the film needs to have some continuity Mm. you know like within the film and that's kind of where it pulls me out anyway 
so the last one. Yeah. So this one's a special one, Tarek, because I did a lot of digging on the internet and I actually managed to uh, find a time capsule from 1940. This is the one. So I found uh, a review from an old uh, veteran officer. Yeah. Uh, who was on his uh, register's uh, radio station. Yeah. Uh, talking about this film. So all, all the way from 1940, yeah. I've got a review for this 2017 film. I am looking forward to hear what that is. So let's listen to that now. Yeah. Robin Song, that, 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 a must-see. What a brilliant movie. We saw this on the night of the world premiere. Intense and packed full of fabulous acting. The camera shots were absolutely spot on, and you couldn't look away for a second without missing a perfect scene. The entire score, coupled with the dialogue and videography, made this film, and I cannot wait to see it again. That was amazing. Yeah, I can't believe I found that. I have no idea how you do it. I know we were mm. talking about putting effects on your voice earlier. Uh, and then we didn't even need but to. But we didn't even need to. No. So that's incredible that we did that. Yeah. Strange how he <laughs> sounded exactly like you. Though. Um. Well, I believe he was a he was a you know an ancestor of do mine. You, do you believe in reincarnation? Because I think that person. Do you believe in life after love? I've. <laughs> after love, after love, after love. You mean? Yeah, yeah. After love. Sorry, I can uh, feel something. <laughs> oh my god! No. I really don't think it's strong enough. All right, all right. Enough share. Um. So what? What did you make of that oh, review? Man, I fucking love this review. Someone's on my. Someone's on my level. And you know what? Because it's from 1940. I think it's completely right. They gave it 10 out of 10 stars, and they are. So correct. Of course, they gave it ten out of ten stars. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine seeing this in 1940. You just your mind would be <laughs> your blown. Mind would be blown. It'd be the best thing ever. It'd be the most terrifying thing. It'd be ever. like, how did they know that that happened? I would hate it. Um, what I like about this one, right? What I agree with is um, when they say uh, the camera shots were absolutely spot on, and you couldn't look away for a second without missing a perfect scene. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like if you look away for a second, you're missing something. Like your eyes are missing out. Yeah. You gotta feed those eyes with yep. this film. Yep, 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 yep. Um yeah. it's even better when you see it in IMAX because sure you get tons and tons of little little bits and things. You um so yeah, I don't really have much to say about that review. It's just kind of pretty great. Yeah. Um so with that being said, should we jump in to like well, there's a there's a few techie things and a few other stuff I want to kind of get into. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll jump into that. Um so yeah, we'll do that next. So, right. A couple of things. I mentioned IMAX cameras with techie stuff. Mm. This film is shot by Hoyt van Hoytema, yep. a cinematographer coming into Chris Nolan films after his longtime collaborator, Wally Pfister, um, who made all of his films apart from Interstellar um, up until this point, mm, shot okay. all of those films, uh, left uh, their kind of partnership to go and try his hand at becoming a director. Oh, okay. So you kind of left it to go do, do go do that stuff, and uh, since then, kind of going forward, uh, all Chris Nolan's films are shot by Hoyt Van Hoytema. And um, honestly, this is just beautiful. It's just amazing. It's so nice to look at. But what strikes me is not the kind of classic uh, great vistas that we get to see at, like just from classic Nolan films, these great epic landscape and wide shots and stuff. But it's the way they use this uh, frame to kind of put you into perspective of these characters. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm also going to talk about a little bit of techie stuff, the engineering behind it to make it, to make these shots possible because it's something that hasn't really done been done in cinema before. And I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, they had to like, they talked about wanting to make this film feel like it was guerrilla filmmaking, but with a massive budget, right. which is kind of what this film is. It uh, is, yeah, it is that. a sort of film that's in the imagination of someone who's just wants to go out and make a film mm. and what they imagine a war film to be. Like, n- nothing to do with characterization or POV or anything like that in terms of writing. It is all sensory experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. And sure. to put you into the frame uh, and feeling as a, like one of these characters, what they do is they built these rigs that had never been built before to fit these massive IMAX cameras onto like replicas of Spitfires and stuff. And it's like when you're watching those scenes where you're in the air, you're actually, that is actually just a like, a, a camera on a on a plane on a replica plane mm. that's just flying at fucking two hundred miles <laughs> per hour. So uh, like from from sea, and it's just insane that they do that for cameras that are such high, like sixty five, um, sixty five mil uh, negative film, and then to uh, that can only film two minutes at, uh, like at one time before yeah. you need to change the roll. It's insane. That is quite the feat. So for one of the camera, one of the shots where the plane crashes, there was a shot where Hoyt Van Hoytman was talking about. It. He was like, uh, "I strapped one of the cameras to this uh, plane, basically, and they uh, they strapped the camera, but then they were meant to kind of let the plane sink a little bit, then drag it, and then they'll kind of reset everything." Mm. But as soon as the plane hit the water, didn't quite land the way that it needed to, and it just sank straight to the bottom of the the bottom of the sea. Oh dear! When they uh, <laughs> when they shot it, oh no! So they thought they had lost this footage and like <laughs> like this massive like uh, prop and stuff for ages. So um, they sent divers down, like the gaffer in the um, the film loader. I'm not sure if it was the gaffer. Um, Thinking about them and the AD, but they went down and they dived uh, to go and uh, get the uh, get the film stock. Mm. They left it in a solution uh, mixed with uh, just f- fresh water, uh, for, uh, seawater, and just kind of didn't touch it. Sent it back to the lab in America, and that shot ended up in the film. So they, <laughs> even though this is like a shot is from like a a crashed like IMAX camera off the back of a plane that sunk to the bottom of the, the sea, <laughs> they still managed to like save this film stock and then put it in the film, which That's I thought awesome. was pretty pretty fun and That's pretty really awesome. Good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like there's tons of little things like that. Um, I guess I guess we'll go into scenes and then I'll like uh, sporadically come in with some some writing stuff and some kind of uh narrative stuff that I want to really talk about. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, other than other than that anything that kind of stuck out for you that you wanted to talk about? So there's like two two things that kind of really got me. Um so the first one I'd like to talk about is the scenes of the ship sinking. When they're capsizing and they're like leaning over. And um, so there's there's shots from uh, like the cameras, like I guess mounted like on the side of the ship or whatever. But 
Um, they're showing it like on a 90 degree angle. So the water is like a wall of water rather yeah. than being horizontal. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I just really like the way that looks. It's just really cool. It's like, you know, it's like a, it reminds me of like, a, this is going to sound really stupid, but it's kind of like the trash compactor thing in Star Wars with like, you know, like the, the, like the walls are closing yeah, in. It's yeah, like yeah. a wall of water, like closing in on these people. And it yeah. like, it just adds so much more to like the dread of, this water taking over this ship. It's I just, just completely disorientating. It's just really cool. And yeah. it's just, you can't get a grip. And once they're submerged, you can't really make out who's who and what's going on. Yeah. And it just all adds to this experience of just the chaoticness of what these people are going through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, so there's that. There's... Um, I think I wanted to... I think I'm going to jump in here and talk a mm. little bit about this, the story aspects. Okay. This film does... Uh, the reason I say it's not really a war film is because um, it's more... I, it has more in common with... Um, you'll laugh at this. I feel like it has more in common with, like, action and uh, suspense films. Oh, God, yeah. And as particularly, like, Lovecraftian horror films. Oh, no, I've than, got something on that as well. Like, yep. uh, than yep. anything else. Yep, definitely. Um than anything else but like it's when i talk about kind of stripping nolan back to like the bare bones full-on nolan he takes on takes out completely any form of characterization or point of view so you Mm. don't to the point where you don't really find out what the main character's name is he can be anyone you don't really know any of them but that's 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 kind kind of the point point, is that you you don't know anyone like personally well people will but like i don't know anyone personally who fought in dunkirk so yeah you know you you get the same uh like emotional tie from seeing from seeing what these people go through as you would like from the, hearing like some veteran story like tell you about it kind of thing which is kind of cool exactly and they're kind of they purposely looked and went to shoot with um for them for kind of i guess you could call one of the main characters um i think his name's tommy that character yeah, um, there's a Tommy. There's a Tom, um, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's a he's a he was a relatively unknown actor. Had done like a short film in a TV show episode, and had done not really anything else. And just uh, both of those guys and the French soldier as well hadn't mm-hmm. really been in much. No. Um, so it's kind of the the whole reason behind that, and even the actors that are well known that are in this film are in minor roles. Um, because it's not really about them. I mean, they're all minor roles, aren't they? Exactly. But it's the, you're using these people as proxies mm-hmm. because Nolan isn't trying to tell a film about war because war, when you make a war film, you have to discuss the morality of the situation. Yeah. And that isn't discussed here because it's not about the morality of the situation. We don't see anything from the Germans' perspective mm-hmm. or whether what whether the Allies were right in their decisions um at this point it is purely just about these people trying to survive yeah and in doing so in stripping out for the exception of the people on the boat on the moon star the moonstone i think it's called or the moon star uh the name of the boat sounds about right um they there is little to no characterization given to these characters Mm -hmm. uh purely because they're meant to be proxies for the audience to discover it's the event that is the spectacle and the event that is taking precedent. Um, And in doing so, where in other films, you know, like 
Hacksaw Ridge that came out around the same time as this or mm. other films where it kind of discusses the uh, point of view of this person and kind of their uh, kind of goes through certain arcs and stuff. What this film focuses on is time and space and yeah. kind of the elements of what the events are happening is helping you piece together what uh, what, what is happening at what time. And what we what we discover, it helps put us in the same perspective, but what we discover is that as the film goes on, we see the effects of just how anyone can just kind of go through just the worst experience of their lives on this beach and mm-hmm. just completely change. I'm talking specifically of like the Killian Murphy character. Yeah. Um, where he gets gets picked up on the boat and we see just this man is broken completely. Yeah, super PTSD. Um, completely, yeah, what would be known as PTSD now. Shell-shocked, they called it. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and then suddenly we get this jarring cut to him on the boat going back to the timeline that's before him and he's just the most composed person yeah he's largely in charge the largely in charge telling people it's going to be okay because they've already yeah. fallen off of uh, uh gotten off of one boat that's sunk and they're on like a rowboat to go to uh back to the shore to go back out now you put this into perspective what this character has actually been through there mm. is absolutely no denying how he's acted the way he's acted He's been on one boat already. Yeah. It's sunk. Then he's totally in control. Then goes back onto the beach where there's more like mortars and stuff. And then gets sent back onto a boat that then gets hit by another U-boat. Yeah. And then just completely is just left and distraught and on his own. Yeah. And then he gets on this like civilian boat. And then gets locked in. Yeah. And they're like, we're going back to the beach. He's like, fuck He's like, no. You wouldn't want to go there. <laughs> like, why? Like, that'd be the last point. <laughs> yeah. So it's totally understandable, like why, like why is you know the way yeah, he is when you look at it, and it's 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 kind of amazing. Um, I forgot to talk. Uh, there's one scene I want to specifically talk about, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, like it kind of links in with techie stuff and uh, sh- and shots. I just want to talk about the scene that I think earns warranting this seeing this film on the biggest screen possible like for IMAX or whatever and it's just this shot of the I think it's his name's the Tommy character um that's his full name and the the Tommy character yeah. is his full name middle yeah. name first Tommy name, first name the <laughs> last name character and Tommy middle name um so he's they get they just hear this absolute like piercing sound of um the bombers coming down so like high fires and yeah, they're just coming straight down, and yeah. then you just see him completely uh, bury his head in the sand and just uh, lay down with his hands on his head. And you watch this bomber goes uh, goes out in a line, and then you realize after a few seconds that it's going straight for the, all these bombs are going in a line straight for this main character. Yeah, and then it ends to a point where all of these explosions are going off, and you're it gets to the point where he's just one away from being blown up. Mm. And you're just watching just the sand just fall on his head and him just completely just, just motionless and frozen yeah. from this thing. And just just that shot, just that scene, just warrants seeing this film on just the biggest screen possible. It's in, it's insane. It's really, really good. Uh, this whole film's insane. But um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. Mm. I like, um, like you touched on it. Like when you think of a war film, I think of, you know, a lot of like 
politics being involved, a lot of like lengthy conversation of like the monotony of war and stuff. And just commenting on the morality of it. Yeah. And like, and that definitely has its place in films. I quite enjoy some films like that, but this is not that. And I like that about it. It really subverts the whole thing. Yeah. Um, to the point where I think you're probably going to, you said something about Lovecraft. So you'll probably pick up on this as well to the point where you don't even see Germans. Yeah. I was going to, yeah. I yeah. was going to uh, pick up on that. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, it's so good because it, like they're this whole time they're being attacked and shot at and stuff. You never see, um, uh, an, an enemy, um, an enemy troop, uh, which kind of, it's like fear of the unknown stuff. Like you said, like Lovecraft. Yeah, it is meant to be, it's, it's particularly scarier because it's not yeah. as soon as you see, you a think face of them as that, something other than human. That's the point. It's so good. Uh, and every, everything in this film is made to emphasize that mm. there apart from one scene, they never refer to them as the Germans. Yeah. They only refer to them as the enemy and Jerry's. Yeah. Which, uh, that's, that's which I'm just a big fan. And, <laughs> I don't and know. Someone, I just think it's a really like, funny slur. Style says sauerkraut at some point during one of the, in that yeah, he scene. says something really stupid. He says something like he's, he's more German than sauerkraut sauce. And it's like, dude, sauerkraut isn't a sauce. Yeah. What the fuck you doing? And it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost like he, they told him like, we're not going to say Germans in this movie. So he just yeah. got all the insults in one line. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like, but then the, he's a Jerry. He's a Jerry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like they never refer to them as Germans ex- from mm-hmm. the exception of that boat scene. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they, they constantly seen as just this looming presence that yeah. could come at any moment. Yeah. Um, you never see a face to them mm-hmm. apart from even it's no coincidence that the last shot of this film is someone getting taken prisoner by German soldiers, but they're not in, they're not in focus. You just see they're like, not in, they're not in light. They're yeah. just surrounding this character as this looming presence, almost like, almost like aliens yeah, closing yeah. in on like, yeah. Um, this, uh, this character. Cause they're not meant, cause he's not meant to, it's not meant to be about their perspective. No. It's just meant to be about the survival of these people. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you kind of put a face to that and you kind of have to talk about the morality and it brings in that mor- morality question in there. Cause yeah, yeah. it's suddenly not as scary anymore mm-hmm. or not as suspenseful because then they see them as human. And this film doesn't want you to see the Germans in this thing as as human it wants to be and phrase that carefully (laughs) i know what you mean (laughs) but it's seen as like a it's seen as a you want to see it from the perspective of those soldiers yeah and it's seen as a um it's seen as an otherworldly presence that's just looming on 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 them yeah um yeah because it's not talking about the battle or anything it's just these people are just trying to escape Mm -hmm. um that is amazing but yeah that's what it's kind of in a roundabout way what i was trying to say yeah but uh, yeah, uh, the yeah the Lovecraftian things I got loads of vibes. Yeah, loads of vibes from that. But yeah, that's why I say it's not really a war film. It's got more. It's got more in more to do with those sorts of yes. horror elements than anything else. And I guess Definitely. that's why I really enjoy it. So yeah, I I think that's I think those are the elements that I enjoyed the most out of it as well. Because you know if we were, if we were going to watch something like Das Boot or yeah. Bridge Over the River Choirs, I mean, I'd be like, oh Jesus, here we go. Yeah, fucking sit down. Get get comfortable. Yeah, or even like <laughs> a, like Apocalypse Now or stuff yeah. like or the Thin Red Line, uh, Full Metal Jacket, whatever. Like they, these things really tackle the morality of the situation that these people yeah. are going to, or the or the their mental psyche as they're going insane in these situations. And um, 
it's always a comment on that. And mm-hmm. that isn't really what this film's about. It's no. about putting you into this experience of just trying to stay alive. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, inc- like, in my opinion, incredible, in your opinion, possibly different, right. uh, sound and uh, music in this film. Mm-hmm. I There is a couple of things that I noticed seeing this in the cinema that were different than seeing it... Um, like this, but I'm not sure if you you did pick up on this. Uh, from the moment that we see uh, the first set of characters that kind of get up, um, and then as the kind of papers are falling down, and we follow them, and then they all die apart from this Tommy character, the Tommy um, character, the Tommy character. Yeah. A a ticking starts yeah. happening and goes through the whole film, and it goes through the entire film. Yeah, and it's kind of letting you know, introducing this aspect of time mm-hmm. and letting you know that this is basically that the, the, all of these people are essentially on borrowed time. Yeah. And they're just, it's, it's entering into that su- suspense stuff. Um, yeah. There's such, there's such interesting stuff to talk about that. Like Hans Zimmer doesn't really do like a traditional score. He doesn't really do a traditional score. M- mostly in general anymore yeah, he just doesn't <laughs> um but it's it's really interesting what he does do like playing around with the sounds like the the you know from a sound editing perspective as well like the gunshots are meant to be incredibly loud and mm-hmm. the sound of the bombers coming out and the sirens are just it's 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 so frightening like just this sound that's just gradually coming out there it's all like you you meant you described it as something like earlier it sounds like a tie fighter yeah like it literally sounds like a tie fighter yeah or just like just this otherworldly presence that's just coming out i'm thinking of like war of the worlds or something yeah yeah. just like some sort of ufo yeah just coming down onto these people and it's um it's a really interesting choice i there's a part near the end of the film i can't i can't remember the specific scene um, but there's a really cool part where he's sampled the sound of the bomber mm-hmm. and it's like, but he's put it into like a, a, a rhythmic kind of pattern. Mm. Um, and it's just like a really cool thing. Cause it's like, it's quite a like modern sounding thing to put in this film, but it yeah. really works as well. Cause it, it kind of adds to that like otherworldly aspect. And yeah. yeah, I just thought it was really cool. Uh, there's only one moment where that changes uh, the suspense kind of uh, percussive elements for, um, more melodic stuff and that's when the civilians show up with their boats yeah and it's a big moment uh when the uh, towards the relative end when tom hardy's trying to land the plane mm-hmm. and it's also kind of put it's also mixed in with um a classical very famous uh tune that i cannot remember the name of i don't know what it sounds like i can't remember it's like it's like a v it's like a v song right it's like it's like the the thing, and there's probably some people listening to this podcast. that's like, how do you not know the name of that? And call yourself a British podcast? Well, British. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not good with names. I literally can't remember what it what it sounded like. I will so play it to you afterwards, and you're like, oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 really well mixed in with that, and played off with like a few melodic moments because it is kind of like that climax and the end of that um character as he's just kind of flying down and it's just the the, almost like the calm after the storm type Mm. thing shall we well just one more thing about the sound yeah that i thought was quite funny yeah 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 is um so there was when this came out uh world war ii vets that were at dunkirk were like invited to come and watch it Mm -hmm. 
And um, that was like a big kind of marketing thing. Not that they did it purely for marketing, but you know, it, it helped. Um, and there's, there's a, a quote from like someone who was being interviewed on their way out of seeing the film. And he goes, he's like this 90 year old uh, war vet. And he goes like, the music in that film was louder than the actual bombs that I experienced. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really good that's a really good quote it's <laughs> just like i'm so glad he still has a sense of humor <laughs> i'm just like i, I love that guy <laughs> that's a really good quote to yeah have. oh that's amazing um, um yeah so yeah i just thought that's funny yeah it is it's really good it's very loud and sometimes i did have trouble hearing what people were saying which was a problem but it's not so much of a problem in a film that's not geared around dialogue so speaking know. about not being geared around dialogue yeah. Uh, there's one particular line that I want to talk about where Tom Hardy's uh, in the planes and it's just something that I'm going to point out in, an, in another war movie or uh, something that would just be handled completely differently. Right. Um, there's a point where they're chasing some German bombers mm-hmm. and they're kind of, the Spitfires are kind of cha- chasing behind him he, and Tom Hardy gets n- located by um, one of his fellow co-pilots or other pilots that there's that there's one that's kind of chasing them down shooting at them so he moves into position and just kind of says i'm on him now the way he delivers the line i'm on him is just so matter of fact and just like casually yeah, it's literally just his job this is his job yeah like that just cl- uh, there's classic. no bloodlust or there's anything. no bloodlust or anything and it's something that would be handled in a different film that's more of a war term it's like a yeah. heroic moment or in just there's none of that yeah no there's no yeah. emotion behind those words at all it is just this is what i'm doing i'm i'm on it i'm just gonna yeah. just the same way you'd say i'm on it when someone says can you write that email to that person yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah sure like, yeah. Yeah. I, I like what i really like about his character is he has that very like old school british stiff upper lip yeah air force man kind of thing yeah. i just like i just really i just he's enjoy just the that best he's like, pretty cool oh yeah. god it's pretty good. There's a couple of people that we got to talk about that are just the best. In I think this. my favorite is the civilian boat driver man, the uh, BFG like, man. Yeah. So we talked about the lack of characterization. This place is where there's the most of it. He's got the most, I'd say. And but, like Mark Rylands is just so good at just being yeah. a very nice, like just a nice man. He's got the most backstory. Yeah, he does, which is nice. I and like it, that. It is. It is. It is. It is there. Uh, it is there, but it's there. Yeah, it's the most out of anyone in the film. It, yeah. it doesn't mean it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's yeah, it's it's really good. he's just oh, he's so good at just kind of just being just disarming. Yeah, like just yeah. a disarming nice person that's just kind of trying to make the best of the situation. Just a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of takes out his back uh, his uh, boat and stuff when he sees that the Navy are commandeering ships. Mm. Apparently, a lot of, during the time that a lot of ships kind of crashed and stuff at the time because the Navy were commandeering this before they they sent out the civilian kind of boat thing. Um, and loads of ships were being crashed and stuff because people weren't aware of the water or how the boats worked. Yeah, because they used to big just old ships that can cut through waves and pretty stuff much. And, yeah. So they were just kind of crashing all this stuff um so he just kind of sets off and is one of the uh you know first to kind of arrive at the scene and for his actions lead him to being able to save kind of all these guys that get stuck yeah uh, on the boat and uh that sinks and then you know that get covered in the oil uh a bit a bit later um but yeah mark ryan's is just the best it's really good he's just a real real good dude um 
and I could just I could just watch him just be concerned forever. I could just watch him read a book to me. Yeah, that'd be really nice. It'd be really nice. Um, there's another character I'd like to talk about that we've touched on briefly. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. And it is Harry Styles. Oh no, I was not who I. You thinking. weren't ready for that. I one. I wasn't ready for that one. That's not who I thought we were I'm talking sa- about. I'm saving the one you're thinking of uh, uh, till last. I yeah, think. all right, fair enough. Harry Styles I in this film. I think it's right. You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get this over with before you talk about the creme de la creme. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're going with this. Harry Styles completely breaks my immersion of this film. Look, may I? I feel differently about this. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, you I think feel like it's our own. Look, I feel like we're coming into this. But I feel like maybe, maybe others from the arm British kind of watching this film might not have the same. No, they're worldwide. One Direction are worldwide. True, but like, look, I thought he would be absolutely terrible. Like, I thought he had no place in this. His acting's not bad. And it's not bad. It's just the fact that his face is there. Yeah. And I know that he's Harry Styles. Yeah. It's just the casting choice is very odd. And it takes me completely out of it whenever I, I see his face. I kind of, you know, I, I get that. And for yeah. the first few scenes, I was kind of feeling the same way. But then after a while, I just kind of, it seemed to fit a bit in the kind of I never quite aspect, aspect of like the group of the others as well. It just kind of blended it a bit more than I thought it would mm-hmm. uh, in for the, for those aspects of the others. I think it helps that none of them really have any kind of developmental backstory um, because I felt like maybe that'd be a bit difficult, challenging. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I like the fact that he's playing a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah he's playing a bit of an asshole and he just, I do, it's just whenever his face is on screen it's i'm i'm immediately out of the film again yeah which so is really play. annoying he's also the person that's echoing these kind of sentiments of just kind of like the failure aspects of it like mm-hmm. the feeling of failure because you feel like that they they didn't win the war they're coming back they're retreating um and echoing that sentiment before before they're kind of celebrated for for that. So it's interesting to kind of see him from that perspective. I'm not sure how I feel about him. Yeah. I'm kind of lukewarm to just mm, tepid. Yeah. Uh, not really, not really, not really a fan. I just think it could have been anyone. Yeah. I, that's kind of my thoughts as well. Is like, you could have picked just a completely unknown person. Mm-hmm. They would have done a, like the same amount of good acting that Harry Styles delivers. And they wouldn't be Harry Styles. I will say this. Nolan talks about meticulous director and uh, puzzle piece maker in narrative storytelling and other things. Um, (laughs) Christopher Nolan talks about how he cast uh, Harry Styles and did not know that he was a member of uh, One Direction or anything. Just he was the best person that kind of came for the audition and wasn't even aware that he had a boy band career or did anything like that. Don't believe that for mm, a second. I don't believe that at all. Absolute bull. But thought I'd mention it. Um, let's just like play devil's advocate and say that was true. Yeah. Do you think if he then hypothetically knew about Harry Styles, would he still cast him? Or would he be like, no, you're going to break the immersion? 100%. You think he'd still cast him? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Why? I, because I just think that it's just... uh, It's because Christopher Nolan wants to 
say fuck you to everyone. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, well, it's just an aspect. It's another aspect of I feel like getting people to movies to go see this movie from mm, an, another yeah. audience that wouldn't be, wouldn't want to see it. That's true. Um, you know, people will go see. The people will have gone to see this movie. Yeah, just because he's in it. Do you know what, like, Harry Styles looks like, who's the guy in Game of Thrones who gets, like, his dick cut off and all that stuff? Uh, Alfie Allen. He no, looks, not Alfie Allen. Some The uh, one that's in John Wick as well. He's, yeah, like, the, the bratty Russian guy. Something Allen. He, Harry Styles looks like his younger brother. Yeah. And I just, I just always think of, <laughs> I just think they look so Lily similar. Allen's, really Lily weird. Allen's brother. I can't remember oh, what is that who is. is. Yeah. yeah, cool. Might be called Alfie Allen then. No, is that her, that her dad? I don't remember. That doesn't matter. I think it's, I don't know. Doesn't matter anyway. Um, I just think it's funny that they look quite similar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so well with that, then we can get on to the, the best character then. Tarek's favorite bit. <sighs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I just need I just need a moment. Tarek's taking a moment. I just need a moment. I will vamp. Uh comment on what you think of my uh Harry Styles, Alfie Allen, possibly Alfie Allen controversy <laughs> here. <laughs> tell tell us what you think. Is, Kenneth Branagh yeah. is just the best. He's just the best human. He is just the best in this film ever. <laughs> He's the best human. He's just the best. <laughs> He's just the best human and just the best person in this. It's amazing. I just can't get over it. He like, look, there's a level of you. There's a level of kind of like where you're playing a character and you're also representing kind of a universal theme at the same mm-hmm. point yeah. where it can some some people can kind of get too into that and they're kind of representing too much they get too into the idea that they're representing something and yeah. they don't put a human element on it and then some people are too focused on like the human element and they don't focus on the kind of fact that they're trying to do something bigger with with their actors yeah he hits just such a straight metal he does such a good job there are like he gets such mileage of just taking off a hat and looking off into the distance <laughs> that I've just not seen. Like it's just amazing. It's really good. And he does it like three times in the film, and yeah. I'm just I, every time I'm just like, oh, there's a shot in particular where we just had to freeze it, and I was yeah. just like, it was like when he was getting really emotional seeing, like, um, seeing the boats come in. Yeah, the civilian like, boats. I paused coming. it and just like cried for a second because yeah. I was just like, he's he's in, his face is incredible. What he does just perfectly doing. in this film is, you know, like the whole thing of like theater actors have to do the biggest facial expressions because yeah. everyone needs to see it in the theater. Yeah. He does the best job of cinema actor where yeah. you need to do the most minute facial movements to put across these emotions when yeah. you're, when you're in like a big extra close up, you know? Yeah. And, uh, honestly, I don't think I've seen someone do it better. It's really like, no matter what you think of like how gratuitous it is in the film or if you, it just annoyed you or whatever, the, the fact that he's got that technique down mm-hmm. is impressive. So I'm going to tell you a little story about Kenneth Branagh, mm. uh, acclaimed uh, director as well as, uh, as well as a, uh, um, as well as amazing actor. As well as an officer. So he di- he's directing the first Thor movie. And mm-hmm. um, in that film, there's a character that's just like eats, eats a lot and is a bit like just over the top and a bit hamming stuff. And the person that plays that character was talking to Kenneth Brown, is that Stevenson, I think his name is. Mm. And he was just saying how he's not comfortable with the scene that was going on. He was just seeing it as a bit hammy. Um, Are you going to say he ordered him to eat ham? (laughs) Trust me. It's even better than that. Okay. It's even better than that. (laughs) Right. So, um, he was just like, I'm just not sure. I'm just feeling this. It's just too much. Um, yeah. 
it's a bit hammy. I'm not in like I, I just feel like I'm just hamming it up for the for the camera. It's just like I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I need to like I, I'm not sure. I need to like dip my toe dip my toe into the river of ham, and then is how he <laughs> how he says it. And Kenneth Mara says, "Trust me, like." You're gonna. I've been. I've visited that river many a time. Yeah, and it's something I'm very familiar with. You're gonna like. You need to dip your toe into the river of ham. Yeah. So like Kenneth Branner is no stranger to ham. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. And there's yeah, yeah. just a tiny little bit in that in this performance, and it's just oh, it's so great. Yeah, but like it. It, that's the thing, isn't it? Like you need to know what overacting is so you can avoid it as best as possible. Yeah. Like there's you're not gonna be able to do that without knowing how to do the other i don't know i just it kind of reminds me of like quatermass in a pit when we did that just like a little little bit of quatermass a little bit of hammer house i was just i was (laughs) feeling i was feeling those vibes yeah feeling those vibes quatermass was fun yeah um oh god i'll just man i just love it he's just great he's really good he's worth this he's in three scenes and it's just great and he's got like the best lines as well like there's one where there's like the last boat's coming and there's like one um one infantry soldier just like waiting down the dock a bit, the pier yeah. or whatever. And he's he said I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, you know, come on, this is the you gotta get on this boat. And he says, like, I know we're officers, but there's no need to be picky at the time like this or something. It's yeah. just like it's just like a nice bit of like British humor of like, look, I know we're officers and you think we're all pompous, but we need to get you out of here. And like <laughs> yeah, we on. actually do care about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it's just like things like that. It's just like he's got some cool lines he that are just have. that really fit the character of a 1940s British officer. And like, he's not given a lot, but he just milks what he's given. And yeah, he does really a good job with it. Oh, yeah. So good. Absolutely yeah. love it. Worth a watch just for that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, basically. Um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much, pretty much it from my, my perspective, unless there's other stuff that you want to talk about. Um, that you want to get into? Not particularly. I mean, they, they have, like I've, I, as I said before, like when I was watching this, there's a lot of like nitpicky logic things, but I, that the main one is what we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. I don't feel like I need to go into any others. I'm sure people who are a similar viewer to myself will pick those out when they see them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think, um, it's, I mean, it's definitely worth a watch. It's, it's, if you can see it in the cinema, if they're doing like a re-showing at any point, I'd, I'd definitely, I'd definitely go and do that, you know? I think that's like you said, that's going to be the best way to view it. Yeah. Um, but still at home, I still had a good time watching it. Yeah. Still had a great time. I, um, I think I know what I'm going to give this. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely, I think it's a, it's a film that could only be told uh, through the perspective of being a, a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's a story that could only be told in this medium. It wouldn't work in any other medium and just the aspects and, in doing so are well so well planned and thought out and stuff that i just kind of i just really really enjoyed it mm. um i think it does merit re-watching coming coming back to it for a second time yeah i really kind of picked up things that i didn't pick up uh last time it is kind of best experienced like in you know obviously in a theater in a cinema like um nolan films are generally kind of events and stuff but i would say that I just, I really enjoyed the format of this, yeah. the way it's structured. It's kind of no nonsense, Christopher Nolan, to be mm-hmm. honest, in my aunts. Like just n- none of the, none of the fluff that kind of can yeah. be a bit too much and, and some, and some, some other stuff and just pure cinematic experience. Christopher, no nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. 
I like that a lot. Uh, and for that reason, I think I'm going to give this one a black tea because, um, Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. I am going, I'm going for that. I just think it's really, it's just really good. It's just really well executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I can't, I can't ignore that. It's, uh, just so well done. Um, that you just, you just have to respect it in my, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, top notch makes you feel alive again. Black tea, nine point nine four. That's where I am at with it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 So for me, um, I okay. I really enjoyed this film, and the visuals are exceptional. Um, but I'm not someone who goes to watch a film for visuals alone. Mm-hmm. So for me, that the storytelling. I mean, not even the not the storytelling, but like the just the character arcs. Mm-hmm. Just don't they don't bring it all together for me mm-hmm. there's like like i've mentioned before there's some silly things that happen yeah um that i just can't get on board with and that so okay so here's what here's what i'm trying to do right if i was going to watch this on mute it would probably get well i would say a black tea but actually i'd still see harry styles so it would get an earl gray <laughs> which is the second to the top yeah um and then if I was going to uh, watch it and, you know, not just for the visuals, but for the story itself, like the character arcs and stuff, like I've said, that does bring it down quite a few points for me because it's just, it it leaves me wanting a bit more out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that reason, I'm giving it a green tea. I think that's the biggest disparity that we've had on a film so far. Yeah, I think it is actually. Yeah. That's um, really cool. Which is five point six eight. Good standard tea. You can drink it anytime. Yeah. Um. I w- I would definitely watch this film again. Yeah. Um. For sure. Like, it's it's a great film. Uh. F- it's not without its flaws for me, but yeah. I I had a great time watching it. It's very emotive and visually very very stunning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Great. Yeah. Great film. But there's things that bring it down from those top tier scores for me. I'd argue this film isn't really about like the characterization, the character arcs for 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 that like, no it's, it's, it's more not about the 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 event stuff and like playing those similar scenes from different perspectives and the kind of timeline aspects are what kind of win it over for me yeah whereas i'm all like i love all of that stuff with kind of writing and characterization and stuff but where this film has succeeded in something that would be terrible kind of just stripping all of that out of a film yeah. is just putting the viewer into the perspective just putting the viewer straight into the perspective of um of those characters you're not you're not seeing them as characters in themselves they're just proxy for, proxies yeah. for experiencing that moment i totally get that it's just i am a character development guy yeah that's what i want to see in films that's fair and enough it, it just doesn't have that yeah but um that's a pretty big dispa- uh, like dis- uh, disparity and stuff in sort of our reviews uh, and a really in- like a really interesting sort of points and stuff i really enjoyed what you were saying but i want to hear what the audience thought yeah me so too. if you guys agree or disagree with myself or lester you can't yeah. you definitely did one of those because you can't agree with both of us yeah <laughs> so yeah there is no option there here. is no option here you got to get in touch uh tweet <laughs> us uh get in touch with us uh we've got a um Twitter and Instagram up at the Movie Brew. We've also got a Facebook uh, up there, Facebook slash the Movie Brew, as well. Uh, we got a website up where you can where we can reach us um, at themoviebrew.com. 
Uh, for longer stuff, maybe you want to uh, send us an essay on why you think uh, we were either of us were wrong <laughs> with this film. Well, there'll be people out there that think we're both wrong. Yeah. Be like, why didn't you give it zero out of ten? I can't wait. Uh, so yeah, email us hello at themoviebrew.com. I like having hello in the title of an email because I feel nice. like it disarms people to be mean and send mean emails. Right. Okay. Because like you, like no one gets angry and then writes the word hello. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you it's could like take it one step further and be like, hey, my dude at the movie brew. <laughs> yeah, that's just like that's too many letters. Hey, too my dude. Uh, at that point, it's just at that point, it's just antagonistic. Like the yeah. person's like they're making me write three words. <laughs> um so yeah so yeah get in touch with us let, let us know what you thought um we'll uh we'll have a think about what we're gonna do for next week got yeah, some ideas not sure, um but it's gonna be a good one whatever it is um so yeah we'll get in touch with you and we'll let you know and we'll see you on the next episode of the movie break <laughs>